0: Back.
1: we're
0: back, we're back,
2: it's been what, it's been almost a year, it has,
3: it's it been, has. <laughs> our last show was literally about a year ago today,
2: yeah, I think it was,
3: it was I think it was
2: a year ago today, it was, it was, or a year ago it
3: tomorrow, was the Saturday before finals week,
2: oh my god,
3: that's that weird, so that, so that was a little less than a week, um, <clears> or <throat> a little less than a year ago today. A little more, a little more. A little more than a year ago today. Yeah. Do we need
0: introductions or? The I think we should. I we think we should reintroduce ourselves. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think we should familiarize ourselves. Familiarize <laughs> <with laughs> ourselves with the audience. Uh, Sam Weederhaft, right here. Uh, I, we all graduated from Carmel last year, but I go to Butler right now and studying sports media. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to be back on the on the new Big Three podcast. Go Big Blue. Go Big Blue. Go Big Blue.
3: We all go to different schools. I'm Jack Kaiser. I go to Ball State. I'm also studying uh, sports media. Telecommunications is my major, and then I have a, a specific track for digital sports production. And we're all uh, we're all doing sports broadcasting. And Brady's the uh, the other school. Don't kid us, guys. We all know you're Charlie Cardinal. Oh yeah, uh, we all I'm know definitely. Charlie. Charlie. That's a secret, actually. Um, they try to keep it a secret, but <laughs> the guy who was Charlie Cardinal just graduated this year, um, so he revealed himself. Ooh, really? So that that was actually some pretty big news on campus. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't know I'm. <laughs> did you break the news? No, I didn't. Uh, the daily news did. I'm not in the newspaper um, stuff,
2: but, uh, but yeah, that was pretty exciting at Ball State. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm Brady Klein. I go to Arizona State. Like we said, we all graduated from Carmel. Uh, like the other two, sports, broadcasting, and media. You know, a lot of work this year. And we, had, we have Sparky, our mascot over at ASU, who's. He's 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 badass. I think oh, he's always He's, he's a cool. really nice mascot. He, you guys have a good mascot. Basket. I think I mean, we all have pretty solid mascots we do. Like, we do for for I'll, sh- t- I'll tell you this though. What's really cool, I don't, I'm guessing you guys have it too. Granted, my school's much larger probably than the year two combined. Yeah, we're about 20,000, Butler's about 4 to mine four. Mine is 100, yeah. about 100, about 100,000, 4500 about, yeah. 100,000 total. Yeah. The cool thing about our mascot is though, we have different mascots for different sports and different campuses. So like we have different football mascots than we'll have for basketball and really? baseball and softball. And they do the, the, our mascot for football games does the push-ups. Like, do any of you guys do that? So like, uh, yeah, I, think, like, I think that's uh, generally yeah, uh, yeah. a mascot thing to well, do. Well, the,
0: or- the Oregon Duck, I think, was the one that started It was. One.
2: Puddles the Duck? Yeah. Great name. <laughs> Puddles. <laughs> Puddles. Uh, but Sparky, the ASU mascot, I actually talked to him after a game. He, he talks. It was in the lot. No, he doesn't. I did sign language. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was in the locker room after the game. I actually, saw him in the Sparky locker room, and it was the game we played against Texas Tech, and we scored sixty-five points. And it's seven. It's an additional seven point or seven push-ups for every touchdown. I don't want to do the math, but he did over three hundred push-ups. Wow, that game. dude's a tank. These mascots have to be in incredible shape. D- you you have no idea. But but you're right. For
3: mm-hmm. for schools, uh, I mean, generally. Colleges don't have like extremely prominent mascots on their campus. Like, it's, it's just sort of a part of it. But on our respective campuses, like everybody knows who the mascot is and everybody yeah. knows what it is. Everyone knows Charlie Cardinal. Everybody knows Sparky and everybody knows the Butler Bulldog.
0: Yeah, no, the, too. Do You think more popular? Trip or Hank? Oh, Who's Trip is so much more popular. Hank is kind of a joke. Um, <laughs> I mean, Hank kind of goes nice around. To Hank. He, he kind of goes. He's 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 pretty big at the football games, and he was kind of big when uh, earlier in the year we had Trip. Actually, tears ACL. Um, yep. so he was out for I, a lot I of actually the follow Tripp on Twitter and saw the exactly. videos. So he was out for a lot of the time. So we had Hink step in, so he kind of took over that prominence. But uh, everyone loves when Tripp. I mean Trip makes frequent visits to the uh, this the one school store that we have. Yeah. Um, so there's in, a lot of guys house. And, and right. well, obviously for every uh, Butler Butler home game mentioning Hinkle House as I go to Butler. If you ever see a uh, penguin I was just gonna say if I, you ever I, see I, a penguin on the Butler basketball broadcast, that is me. I was just gonna to say I was going to make a push to have the Penguin be the new
2: mascot for Butler. Ah, I actually I mean, think
0: It's just so out there. You I know, actually think Joe it.
2: Davis when you guys beat Villanova uh-huh, at home uh-huh. you guys stormed the court. Of course. yeah. Joe Davis who was the broadcaster I think he mentioned you not by name or anything but he's talking about the kids in the Penguin suits on the broadcast. No way. I yeah. also saw yeah. on Barstool Butler and some
3: other account that you were mentioned. Barstool Creighton. Barstool Creighton. We, we, got, we got pretty roasted by Barstool Creighton. Yeah, Crayton. you oh and your friend that was dressed up in the penguin costume got roasted by a Barstool Creighton, got in a little bit of a, a fight right there. I saw all the retweets. I'm like, oh, that's Sam.
0: <laughs> so what happened was uh, the Big East was actually there showcasing their Big East tournament trophy. And so they wanted to have us take a picture with it. They wanted us to... We actually got interviewed by the Big East, um, and so they, they put that picture out there and qu- Barstool Creighton saw it, so they tweeted and uh, kind of roasted our, our Barstool account and our Barstool Butler account like came back at him and it was really funny, but- You're very easy to roast, Sam. Hey, especially when I'm wearing a penguin. I mean, without the penguin costume, I'm pretty easy to roast, but when I when I put the penguin costume on, it just gets so much easier. Yeah. For, for a visual for Sam, imagine- <clears throat> I don't know put this. Let's go through visuals
2: of visual- all of so us. So here, the one for Sam <laughs> that I have the best is- IndyCar driver Connor Daly mixed with Mike Trout mixed with Lucky the Leprechaun. an um, oompa A height. Um, height loom, Sam a, is wise.
3: approximately five foot six. He has somewhat Gymnast. of a blockish head He, he always looks like
2: the, he looks like one of the
3: characters that you create when you get a wee. He, like he has a yes. like square oh, head oh, He always has the flat bill hat. I he do. tends to wear khaki shorts most of the time um, Flip-flops or spares <clears throat> as well, and then polos are his common attire right now He has a Butler University polo on wow. Brady is also wearing a polo. I was wearing. I, one. I know what it feels like to be loved right now, dude. You know everything about me. <laughs> I was wearing one earlier today uh, as I was golfing shot a solid. Where'd you golf? I b- golfed at Brookshire. Oh, uh, so. You golf there a lot, don't you? I do. I golf yeah. there a decent amount. Um, I shot a solid 63 uh, over the course of nine holes. So okay. I know 120 <laughs> sounds pretty bad. 126 sounds pretty bad for 18, but that's actually pretty good for me. I, I shot a 70 the other week and I was pretty disappointed. Yeah. So
0: let's go through a visual from Brady now. Let's see what you guys here. Uh, okay. What do,
3: you, what do you got, Sam? Well, he's
0: got black hair. He kind of likes to slick it back and spike it up in the front. Um, used to be a football player, so he has that kind of build to him. Defensive lineman, strong guy, upper, you know, big upper body, uh, tough guy. Um, you know, polos, likes to wear polos a lot when it's the winter, he wears the quarter zips. Yes. Um, uh, that's... The quarter zip is probably my staple. That is... That, that's, that's one of his... At Christmas his and
3: family looks. gatherings, if you don't wear a quarter zip, like, I, I don't know what the hell you're doing. No. <laughs> Yeah. Seriously. I mean, I, I don't think I've gone the last four to five years
0: when quarter, quarter zips became popular without wearing one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. I, quarter zips are, they're just such a blessing, you know, and we actually got them from WHJE last year. I actually, most comfortable I almost, quarter zip I've ever worn. Almost threw it on to record this. Oh my gosh. I, I still wear it at Butler. I mean, you can make fun of me all you
2: want, but I still wear it at Butler because it's so comfortable. I wear mine out in Arizona. Oh yeah. No, it's perfect. Yeah, now, I let's never, mention
0: here, because we don't have an affiliated radio station here. We are based out of Carmel, Indiana. Yes. We're in Carmel, um, you know, because we're not used to having our own independent thing. So this is, this is based out of Carmel, just outside Indianapolis. Speaking of those quarter zips uh, I,
3: karma came back to get me but i never paid for it so oh God. so i had one um, but karma <laughs> came back to get me because i lost it so I, I don't have <laughs> oh. i do not have the whj quarter zip anymore but i did not did not pay for that one but i made up for it by paying for the ball state sports link quarter zip okay. that i got this uh, year that makes up for it all right so let's describe me now what do you guys have
0: Oh my gosh. Uh, so Jack Kaiser, former baseball player. So if you want to you know put what that the, in your mind,
2: you know. You know in SpongeBob, those characters go meep all the time? You kind of like one of those. Oh, I can see that. I'm trying to think of those guys. I can see that. I'm trying to think of those. Tall, really skinny. Yeah, he's he's a tall guy. He's a tall guy. He's an intramural champion. I
0: am an intramural champion.
2: Pulled off one of the
3: greatest intramural upsets of all time. Might be the most athletic out of us three. Oh, easily. Yeah. Carmel (laughs) uh, has a, a huge intramural basketball league. 32 teams sign up every year. This high school has five thousand kids uh so last year uh my buddies and i we had a team going for three years we played a team of former varsity basketball players uh, a decent amount of them yeah. uh they were cocky they were arrogant on their twitter page they had a twitter page for their intramural basketball team
2: um, guys i hate to say this real quick but i made a graphic for their twitter page
3: oh i know i know <laughs> yeah you, you yeah. made the graphic i i yeah, fully yeah. recognize that but they posted on there um their their bio was 2015 2016 intramural champions before the <laughs> season had even begun so we're like okay and we somehow make it to the championship how many people were there there were literally there like there were there. like 4 to 500 me people me and Brady were
0: calling the game for the yeah, radio for the and radio, it was a pretty there. big deal it was a big deal um,
3: <laughs> we won by two came down right uh, came down right to the wire it was a uh,
2: it was a heck of a game. But I, I remember you vividly, as the buzzer was sounding, you threw the ball in the air, took your shirt off, and was yeah. running around the gym. Oh, I was, uh, yeah. And man, I, I t- wish I could find the call of that game. Oh my gosh, because it was just so intense. It's
3: game. on YouTube. The, the Carmel High School TV station yeah, TV al- does it. also did it. Um, so that's on YouTube somewhere. Uh, but but the radio call is lost forever, wow. sadly. Uh, but yes, yeah, so We could try to salvage it. We'll try to salvage it. We could try to find it. I'm a decently athletic guy, pretty tall, uh, fairly skilled. Skinny, um, like yeah. I, I used to play baseball. I was a catcher, uh, but I've since stopped working on my uh, physique, so I have become severely out of shape. Despite the fact that I may look in decent shape, I have a mud run going on tomorrow, so we'll Ooh. see how that goes. It's about. It's a 5K, so around three miles. Uh, obstacles, obviously, as the name suggests, lots of mud, uh, wet running conditions, and it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Oh, here's the Meep dude from oh, SpongeBob. Oh my goodness, that is a great. Inter- it, it just needs the glasses. Yeah. If you just Google Meep SpongeBob, <laughs> it'll it'll pull right up. Uh, if I wear glasses, then yeah, maybe, maybe. I it. think his neck's a little, a little bit a little bit long, but uh, but yeah, I think that uh, that fully describes the
0: three of us. I think that works. Yeah. There you well, go. I, I,
2: mean, I, I mean, that's. That's a pretty good intro to start this off. I mean, It is. We have to set some context
0: for these should, listeners uh, that will be coming, at,
2: coming back each and every week. Well, yeah, so, yeah, so they can get a visual representation. We have to paint what, the picture. Yes, that's our job, right? Yeah, I guess. That's what we taught. That's what we were taught, at least. Yeah. Do, we remember, with do play you play play. remember anything we were taught? No. <laughs> Probably man, not. WHJ
3: just sped
0: right by. Oh, oh, oh
3: man! All, <laughs> well, in in uh, my classes, we're learning about the history of radio oh. and television and stuff. And Marconi. we learned, Oh yeah, Marconi, Lee De Forest, all my bros. Uh, <laughs> we, 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 we learned about that uh, sophomore and junior year in high school as a prerequisite to our radio staff class, and uh, we're learning a little bit about that in college again. So it's. Uh, but yeah, most of
2: that stuff's gone right by, and. We just remember uh, what we're supposed to do on the air, pretty much. In, yeah, and one of my, my first journals in class this past year, uh, our radio segment was started off, and our teacher played a clip and tried to stump off of War of the Worlds. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, What is this? And I was like, This is War of the Worlds. Like, how, are you, how do you not know this? Come on. I thought everyone else should know that, but I was the only one. Starting off here, we're going coming to you live right now from Carmel, Indiana, which is right outside of Indianapolis, but the big thing going on in Indiana right now is uh, the Indy 500. And if you don't know what the Indy 500 is, Stop listening. Get the hell hell off of our show. Stop living under a rock.
3: Stop living under a rock. I mean, seriously, if you live in the United States of America, even if you're not a sports fan, if you have not heard of the Indianapolis 500, there's something severely wrong with you. And you (laughs) should move out of the country immediately. (laughs) I'm not a racing fan by any means, but... I respect the spectacle of the Indy 500 and for that's what exa- it is. And that's all it is. It's a spectacle. It is. I went to the track for my first time last year. Yeah. Um, you guys have been more in tune with it for longer, but I, I walked in and I was just amazed at the size of the track, uh, just how big of an event it is. The entire month of May really is just a celebration of this race. Especially last year during the 100th running. Yes, it, it yeah. was really special. Um, and I'm going to the Snake Pit actually this year. I'm not. There you go. Going to chill gen- with Ric Flair. Uh, yeah, I have a general admission <laughs> ticket, but uh, so Woo! I'll be I'll be in the infield uh, partying it up. But uh, but I'll also you know be be glancing around in the race and participating in the festivities. You guys will be at the actual race, I'm assuming.
0: Yeah. Same as I'm not going this year,
3: actually. I can't okay. make it Well, year.
0: yeah, I spent the entire day at the track uh, today for Carb Day, because it's Friday. Um, so the IndyCars went out for their last practice, and then we had the Freedom 100, which is an unbelievable and so underrated race. It's great. It's great. Wasn't it, in the first term? Yeah, it was a crash in the first lap, but um, it's the Indy Lights, so it's like the minor leagues to the IndyCars. And uh, I mean, these cars—they only—I don't know what they top out at. It's a—it's a—it's a slower speed, obviously, but it's a lot of the young guns. I think an 18-year-old ended up winning it, and uh, these cars go side by si- side by side and maintain it through the turn. It's, it was really exciting. Um, so we watched that Indy Lights race. pitch top competition's always fun. It's just a really big party at Carve Day, so it, it was a—it was a great environment. But I mean, Sunday is obviously the biggest day. Did you go see Steve Millerband and those guys today? I didn't. I did. I, me and my dad went, and we weren't. I mean, he doesn't. Even even Know really any of the Steve Miller like songs, even though it was in his time. I probably know more Steve Miller songs than he probably. does. And I just you know we were kind of we were kind of tired, and I wanted to head back, so we just kind of you know left after the pit stop competition. But still, I mean it was a fun day. I got sunburnt, surprise surprise, <laughs> um, happens all the time. But um, I mean it just makes me makes me more excited for Sunday. I mean it's just going to be such a good race, so many good competitors, and I, I mean the 100th was great. That was probably my favorite race of all time, and this one this one has the shape things are going to be a, just a, a fantastic race.
2: Well, it's got the big storyline of obviously Fernando Alonso, who's I don't know if you know this, Jack, because you're not a race fan, but Sam and I. Yeah, sure let's clarify.
0: Do. Me and Brady are pretty into the IndyCar series. Kaiser doesn't know as much, but he's like I said, he's I, getting re- I respect it. the yeah. event. I'm he's learning, learning more each and every it's
2: year. Of, it's kind of like me with baseball. You know the big hey. names, you know some stuff that happens, but you don't I
3: don't really follow it that much. you know. If someone walks up to me and says, uh, Scott Dixon, Ed Carpenter, Alexander Rossi, Marco Andretti, I'm going to know they're an IndyCar driver. I know the big names, Uh, I know the general things, I'm just not into too much detail like you guys. Right, right.
2: Now, one of the big names, like I said a second ago, if you ask an avid IndyCar fan who's been a long time IndyCar fan and they're following the 500, they'll know this name. But anyone else, you really won't know this name, Fernando Alonso, he's the two-time Formula One champion of the world. So considered one of the top five greatest race car drivers of all time, currently the top uh, F1 driver, but he's skipping the Monaco Grand Prix, which is, I'd say, the third greatest race in the world. I think it was 8500, Daytona, and then Monaco. It depends on where you're at. Where you're from, yeah. Yeah, I can agree. But he's skipping the Monaco Grand Prix to come over and race in the Indy 500. And he's technically a rookie, even though he's a two-time champion of the world. How old is he? Uh,
0: he's in his 30s, I think. Oh, yeah, we'll he's mid-30s, now. but the dude makes $40 million a year. Wow. He's got, I mean, he's got, he, like you said, he's he's classified as a rookie, but he has the most, he's 35, he has the most fans. I mean, he's got fans all over the world. He has he has the one. second highest betting line. Yeah. Next I mean, to Scott Dixon, because Scott Dixon has the pull. Dixon's and fast. Always, Dixon's fast.
2: They'll always have the
0: top um, line. Yeah, but Alonso coming in with such a... Kind of a shock. I mean, I didn't really see this coming at all. I know I knew who Alonso was. I've watched him race before, but hearing that he's skipping out on Monaco and coming to the Indy Five Hundred shows you how big of a race this is. And uh, the fact that the fact that uh, Stefan Wilson, who actually had to give up his spot to allow Alonzo to come in was a great move by him. It's a, it's really big for IndyCar um, that he's in the race and he's, I mean, he's starting fifth. He had a really fast, fast car in qualifications. He's attacked, he's attracted a really big crowd. He's been really nice to the media. Um, he's got know, that beautiful McLaren orange too. He's got that McLaren. I mean, he's, he's got a fast car and uh, you know, we'll see what he can do. Um, but I mean, like I was telling you off the, before the, before the show, Brady, I was reading a Greg Doyle article that it's great that he's racing in it, but if he wins, that could prove to be a little bit detrimental for IndyCar. I mean, it, there's, isn't that, there's not, I, I, I think in my opinion, after reading that article, there's more negatives than positives. Well, when you look at this too, if a guy like
2: Alonzo wins, who, by the way, to put it in perspective, uh, rookie drivers have to go through an orientation process and get cleared to get up to the speeds and danger that is involved at IMS Motor Speedway, his was live streamed on YouTube. His, uh, qual- his practice session before the month of May, had over two million views on YouTube, <clears throat> live stream views across the world. Yeah, And right then and there, you think, oh shit, what's gonna happen here with this guy if he comes in and wins this race? But you look at a guy like a Jay Howard, who's a younger driver, last race year, I believe it was 2011. That was his last race, yeah. But is also an IndyCar, or is a F1 driver, Formula One driver. But then decided, to hey, come back and race IndyCar." I got like Alexander Rossi, who won last year. No one complained. That a lot of people complained, but no one said, "Oh, he was an F1 driver who came over here and made it look easy." He was a failed F1 driver and came over here and won as a rookie, sputtering out of gas. So, if Alonso wins this race, Sam, what does this mean to the sport of IndyCar?
0: I mean, I just after bringing up a few points from that Greg Doyle article, um, it does. He mentioned a lot of uh, people who went uh, out of the country to go race for Formula One or other other uh, racing series and come back for the Indy 500 and end up, end up having immediate success. Juan Pablo's uh, a big one. Juan owner. Pablo's huge. Uh, Jacques Villeneuve, yeah. who won in 1995, I believe. Mario. Uh, Dar- did he? What, did he? I think I he think was right to IndyCar, wasn't he? I don't I think he, didn't, think he, he left, hasn't done F1. He left IndyCar. I know he left IndyCar. Yeah, he went to NASCAR. Yeah. He cool. went to NASCAR and was terrible and they came back. Um, but like, I mean, Rossi, Rossi, who was a backmarker for Formula One, uh, then comes over to the States and gets a uh, IndyCar ride and wins in only a second of the race, you know? So it would appear now, I'm not going to say IndyCar is easy because it's not, but it appears if Alonzo wins this, that, you know, Formula One drivers who are the best drivers in the world, in my opinion, coming over to the IndyCar, it, it makes it look easy. Formula One drivers will always tell you they're the best in the world because Nothing, I mean, gotta- nothing against
2: F one drivers, but it's just that European mentality that it's the the swagger, the, all that stuff. And you go to the F one, and you're gonna you're gonna have that cockiness, and you come over, they're all they say they're the best. Man, when I go to Paris, I, I, I not go to Paris. <laughs> I went
3: to Paris one time. Uh, the, the stereotype of of Parisians, yeah, of being full of themselves and and hating Americans and hating everybody outside of Paris.
0: It's true. Yeah, they're cocky. Uh, well, okay. Now let's look at the logistics here. I mean, hey. I think the cars are a very uh, dynamic and very one of
2: the reasons Alonso came over here was because I believe he was driving in was it a McLaren Honda out in in F one, wasn't it? He said the engine wasn't there. He said the car wasn't very good for him this year, so he said he has it nothing to McLaren lose. Honda, he, yeah, McLaren Honda. So he has nothing to
0: lose coming over here to Indy. He's nothing to lose. I mean, it's it's a it's a great it's good for the sport that he's racing. But another point that Greg Doyle brought up that I really agreed with is that, you know, he's full time he's full he's full time Formula One, um, and I believe he's the first driver to come since the '60s. I can't remember who it was, but since the '60s to come from driving full time Formula One to right to drive in the Indy 500, then go back. So if he wins this race, which he has a good shot, starting fifth. Um, had the poll for a little little bit on poll day as well. It was but like if he, what, two drivers though? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if he wins, he can't market the uh he can't market IndyCar. He well, can't he can't promote IndyCar. That's the and thing. that's something that Rossi did very well. Rossi has taken IndyCar as his own. He came last year, still in the Formula One mentality, had no idea what Indy meant, ended up winning it, and then throughout the year has matured and has really done a good job of promoting indycar because he's in it full time alonzo's not in it full time it's not and that it's just gonna be hard to promote the promote the brand it's not that
2: rossi promotes indycar and it's not that alonzo will be able to promote indycar it's that indycar won't be able to promote alonzo that too, to say that too. hey this guy's the best driver in the world he's won everywhere in europe and he's won here at the greatest race, race course in the world right and if he just <clears throat> Jumps ship after this one race. That sort of puts a black flag and uh, something bad on this IndyCar sport. It's going to be rough for this. I think if he wins, it's rough for the team. But think about this: there are thirty-two other drivers that could win. Cuz, what you guys are talking about right now, I, I think that's
3: one of the thing that things that makes racing pretty unique. You can jump different styles uh, of racing. You can jump from NASCAR to IndyCar, IndyCar to NASCAR. Uh, You mentioned Formula One. No other sport really offers that. Uh, You can look at uh, jumping internationally like in baseball. You can play in Japan and then come over to the United States. Basketball Uh, too, go overseas. Go overseas. But as far as, you know, different styles of play, I mean, it, nothing's really like racing. So that I think that makes it very interesting, the different types of cars, uh, the different types of races that they have. Um, and I think that adds an, an extra element of interest uh, to the Indy 500 also, because uh, it brings up scenarios like uh, Fernando Alonso.
2: Now, if you're listening to this right now, uh, you might be able to hear in the background. It's getting <laughs> substantially louder. Oh
0: my gosh. It's raining it's
2: hard. It's raining man. hard in the background. There's going to be some thunder and some rain going back here. We're going to try to cancel as much of this noise as we can. <laughs> These mics are pretty good, but they we don't have this studios of right WHJ anymore. man. No, we don't no, have we the should... soundproof studios of w- H- H-M WHJ to, you know, I should, I should try to sound. We're sitting here in the front office of my house right now, and what we should try to do is maybe we should like create a booth in the basement like i was gonna say perhaps the perhaps the basement is the best place to go yeah this this has a round table right here but we could always just jump down to the basement and take a quick break and go down and keep recording if you wanted who knows maybe i mean i think that might be the smart thing to do I'll check the radar.
0: Check the radar, Kaiser. I'll, I'll it, talk weatherman. about the five hundred. Sam, go ahead. Back Well, because the it is. It is. I mean, it's storming, and that's probably that's Sunday's forecast is not looking good for the race. Um, it, it, it's it's spotty. it's spotty. it's spotty. It's spotty. We'll see what happens. I really hope the rain holds off. It looks like it's going to, but we're gonna see. Um, and like Kaiser was Kaiser mentioned, IndyCar promotes itself as the most diverse racing series um, out there. And that's why the Indy 500 is such an interesting race, because it gets drivers. I mean, you see Fernando Alonso from Formula 1, uh, Rossi from Formula 1. Then you got guys like Sage Karam, who comes from, uh, what's that series he races in, Brady? It's spor- It's a, sport. it's a, it's a car sports car series. car series. You're right. It's a sports car series of Karam that Karam from. Karam was full-time IndyCar. He raced in the Indy Lights, and then came full-time IndyCar 2015 for a season. Uh, raced with Chip Ganassi. Lost his ride last year. Uh, ended up coming to the Indy 500 as his only race. Um, then comes back with the same team this race again for his only race of the year so he's been full-time IndyCar before but he's got a sports car series going on I mean just a lot of different drivers from different parts of the world from different uh, racing series coming all together for one race there's a lot of talent in the field this year uh, in this field of 33 I mean it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how they all group up together Jack Kaiser weatherman update uh, <laughs>
2: yeah, whatever music issue, issue the music
0: that does not look
3: promising the dog is also trying to get into the room now so we have a lot of distractions here yeah i bet i i had to help my girlfriend out with uh with her aunt's dog yeah, I, the, uh, the other week, and she had to go get prescription medicine for the dog so she would calm down. Really? I mean, it's, it's pretty serious with pets. As this as is much go. different
2: weather than coming from Arizona like I did, where uh, Doesn't you, rain. you sort of take shelter if there's a haboob, and those of you who don't know what a is, it's a giant sandstorm, and you will see a tsunami of sand coming at you. I was driving on the highway, and one of them, they come up like flash floods out of nowhere. One of them happened, and a rock went two layers deep in my windshield. Wow. So I had to get my windshield replaced. That's One unfortunate. story. Yeah, it, sucked. it but, really uh, sucked. But yes, the weather does not look promising right now. It looks like it'll be raining uh, for a good portion of, of the rest of the night for the next few hours. Okay, so we're going to take a quick pause and then probably just change location so we don't Get all this loud noise of the rain in the background. He's you guys gotcha. really won't notice the pause because, well, this is recording, Editing. but uh, we're going to let you know anyways. And what we're going to do now, actually, is during that pause, Sam, you want to intro this real quick? Uh, we can do this. Sam and I went to out to the track, uh, the IMS track this past week and yeah. talked with the guy we talked about a second ago, Sage Karam. And yeah. we ta- Jack and I talked with him last year and uh, he actually remembered me, which was really weird. And he's like, oh, yeah, we inter- you interviewed me in here, like right here last year. I'm like, yeah, that's how, how do you remember me? It was weird. But Sam and I got a chance to talk to him, and he's he's a cool guy. I'll tell you this. He is. He's one of those guys who is just chill down to earth and really, 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 as you can hear in the
0: interview, really laid back. He is. Yeah. Second year, a year in a row of interviewing him and really nice guy actually took us into his garage for the interview. Um, we got it. We got a few more interviews with other, other drivers, but the wind kind of distorted it. So we were in the garage for Karim's interview. Uh, really nice guy. Crashed last year being aggressive, but he talks about being more patient and he talks about, you know, the mentality that he has coming into this race. So a really good interview. Really nice guy. And yeah, here's Sage Karim. Sage Karim. Thanks so much for uh, doing this for us. Enjoy this interview
2: with Sage. He uh, gave us a lot of great insight. And for those of you that don't know, quick uh, background on Sage. like we said, Sam, a minute ago, longtime racer has racing the 8500. This is his fourth or fifth year in the 500 uh, has crashed multiple times. Is known as one of those guys for crashing, but, um, a wrestler as well, so a weird combination of sports is Sage Karam, so uh, once again, enjoy this interview with the IndyCar driver and also state champion wrestler, Sage Karam. Here with Sage Karam, you're mainly now racing with Lexus, full-time. What's it like coming over and jumping in an IndyCar for one or two races a year? How's the adjustment for you, and how is it for your team?
1: Yeah, so last year, I I didn't really do much racing at all or anything, and to come back in an IndyCar, I kind of just jumped right back in it and picked up on it and didn't really have any, like, weird side effects getting back into it or something, you know? So, uh, but this year was a bit different because I was racing in the sports car series and I had a windshield in front of me and front engine car and everything. And I got in the car and it was just, it felt a bit odd and uh, it took me a little bit to get, like, two good runs to get used to it again. And uh, that was the first time I've actually, like, felt, like, kind of weird and odd, you know, about driving the car. And um, But then once I, you know, got back into the rhythm and everything, it all just came back and it was all normal again.
0: You know, last year we saw you
1: have a really fast
0: car, worked your way all the way up to fourth and then crashed it on an aggressive move. Are you going to work on being more patient
1: this year and making
0: the right moves kind of later in the race?
1: Yeah, I am. Um, That's been one of my big things, you know, coming into this race that I've been thinking about is that, you know, I learned from that. I just want to uh, get the car to the end and I believe if I get the car to the end, it's going to be in a position that, you know, we can do good things with it. yeah, I, the car was mega fast last year. That's no doubt about that. And uh, basically, I, I have the same car underneath me this year. The car feels very similar. feels very good. I can pass whenever I want, really. And uh, that's the main thing. As long as you can pass in traffic, it doesn't matter where you start this race. So just got to make the smart moves, get up there, and uh, just keep my cool, and we'll be good. I know you've been asked 100
2: times how wrestling translates over to racing, but have you been doing much wrestling lately? And if so,
1: how has that affected your racing career at all? Um, I haven't wrestled in a couple months, um, basically since, like, wrestling season ended in March. Um, but, you know, wrestling, I feel like it's a good – it's a great sport, and it, it helps me out a lot. You know, the cool thing about wrestling is that it's just you and another guy out there, and, you know, I mean, you have the ability to quit and, and like, give up and everything like that, or you could – dig deep and, you know, suck it up and go after it. And I just feel like, you know, that translates over to racing where, you know, if your back's against the wall, you know, something happens in a pit stop or something, you know, all it takes is one yellow or something to follow your way put you right back in the race. And you just can't give up and you just got to keep going at it. So this will be your fourth 500. So you have a few
0: under underneath your belt. Um, and we all know with the 500, a lot of pre-race festivities. How do you keep your mind focused
1: during those festivities on what the task is at hand? Um... You know, I, I, I'll i come here in the morning. I'll get here pretty early, like 7 a.m. I'll do some interviews and stuff. And then, uh, you know, you'll see some drivers go to the snake pit and get on stage and stuff, and that's just not me. You know, I'll, I'll sit here in my uh, garage. I'll go back to my little cubby. I'll put my headphones on. I'll listen to music, and I'll just kind of like, you know, zone out from the rest of the world outside. And when they tell me it's time to walk through Gasoline Alley, then, you know, I walk through Gasoline Alley. I go in the, the uh, green room. I don't talk to anybody. I sit there, and I wait for my name to get called. I walk right over to my team, my car. I give them, you know, final handshakes. Yeah and we get to business you know it's it's a, just another race it's just a big one you know um but when the green flag drops green flag drops just like any other race in the checkered flag falls checkered flag falls just like any other race you know you just get your face on a trophy in this one and a lot of money and some cool things so um <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's the best way to describe it it's milk. As well.
1: Yeah, yeah. and you get a nice ring, so, uh, you know, it's just a big one, but it's still, at the end of the day, another race. That's a very wrestling mentality there. Now, you said the snake pit before. Any chance we see a pre-race wrestling match between you and Ric Flair? Uh, We'll see if he's ready. I don't know (laughs) if he's up for it, but uh, I'm always down to throw down.
2: Yeah, he's 60, 68 he's what you said 68 years old versus a young 22. guy like yourself 22 so yeah I think you got a pretty good shot there sage Karam, thanks so much for joining us today good luck this year
0: that was sage Karam there in that interview and a lot of good stuff from him you could tell he looks promising um, he, he's really I mean he's had a he's had a tough couple of years I mean he crashed in the first lap of 2015 and then last year crashed about halfway through the race with a really fast car that I believe he could have won in so talking about being more patient I mean the guy he's really aggressive and he's you know, people were talking about him being the next big thing, and this is really a big race for him to for Sage to prove himself. He's still a young guy, but I mean, the pressure is definitely there. And he's he's got that wrestler mentality. He's very focused on himself and how he does. And, you know, I like his chances going into this year, but he has to be conservative and not go for the big aggressive moves. I agree with you there, Sam.
2: I know one of the questions that we asked him was, uh, you asked him was, how do you compare this year to last year? And the mentality and what have you learned being more mature of a driver? And what he said is taking things slow. We saw the last couple of years, he's been very aggressive, very, it's hard to say physical, but he's been physical. He's been a physical racer and has been uh, getting into things with other drivers. I know he has some rivalries going on and you heard at the end of it there, his pre-race tradition, you could say, is you see a guy like Connor Daly who goes and parties in the snake pit and hangs out with all these DJs who he's all best friends with. I mean, he's friends with all these guys. And you see a Sage Karam, who's a wrestler who has that wrestling mentality is put your headphones in, sit there, wait, stare down the other drivers, scare the hell out of them. I think is what he's trying to do, actually, and get ready to go race. Man,
0: best-looking car in the field, also Sage car. He's got a great It's car cool. Oh, it's so sick, man. It's black. I think it's sponsored by a Mecham Auctions, and he's got little— Mecham p- Auctions, yep. Mecham, yeah, whatever. He's got a little palm trees on it. Coolest car in the field by far, in my opinion. But um, he, did, you know, he uh, did the pit stop competition today. Actually lost in the first round of defending champion Elio Castroneves. But, I mean, he's got a really good team around him. And, you know, hopefully this year is the kind of year that he can break out and have a year like he did in 2014 where he finished— I believe, eighth. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what he can do. Uh, going to be tough competition, but... Uh, is the mic working, Brady? <laughs> Mike's working. Your levels just seem really low. All right, compared to mine. Because we had to move. We had to move to the basement. Yeah, to the I'm, stores, but I'm speaking loud. Been screwing us up. I'm speaking loud. Just speak up. We'll, we'll see. All right. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like Sage is one of my uh, one of my dark horses. But I mean, we, we talked to more drivers than just Sage during that day. Uh, we talked to Connor Daly, Charlie Kimball, James Hinchcliffe. Unfortunately, it was the windiest day in a long time at IMS. We Not talked that day.
2: We talked to Sage before the interview when we asked him if he was going out at all again. He said. They got out there for about seven to 10 laps and that's all they could run. Yeah. They didn't run anything that day.
0: It was scary. Nobody was getting top speeds. I mean, it was just, no. it was last Wednesday um, was the day. So it was before qualifying.
2: 45 mile an hour winds.
0: You're right. Yeah. And, it, was, um, it was crazy.
2: Imagine if they were still running those old aero kits that they had, and I think it was 2013 or 14. 15, 2015. Was it 15? 2015. Yeah. That right. the cars right. kept taking off. Imagine if they were going that down the back stretch with a 45 mile an hour wind gust. Catching underneath your kit. But the one thing that I wish, let's see if maybe we can salvage the audio from this one for at least this one clip, was you and I talked to James Hinchcliffe. I'd say he's one of the most popular drivers in the sport because Dancing with the Stars, he had all this stuff. He's got whole Hinchtown thing, you know? He's his own podcast. We need to get him on the podcast. He's his own podcast, though. He's hanging out with Pat McAfee. He's hanging out all around, lives in Indiana. So, I mean, he's around all the time. But James Hinchcliffe, two years ago, I don't know if you know this, but his car crash, he was dead for two minutes. He had no heartbeat for 97 seconds, I think is what he said. Yeah. On his way, the four-mile drive, I think it took him six minutes to get from the track to IU Methodist on 16th Street, which is a four-mile drive. Police block everything off. You just go. He had part of his suspension in his car go through his thigh, through his stomach, and out his, the side of his chest. Yeah, he called it,
0: he, he said that he was a uh, kebab. Uh, shish kebab.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I asked him, this was our opening question. I think he's get, gotten this every interview he's done, probably. Yeah, it's a popular question. It was, how has your mentality changed from that, uh, from that accident? You almost died. You did die. And now you're out here racing again. Year after your accident, you win the pole position. This year, he's uh, in the middle of the pack starting 17th. I asked him that, and he said, it didn't. If I had a piece of metal shoot through my leg and was losing more blood than my heart was pumping, I don't think I'd want to get back in a race car. But he could not wait to get back. And he said he learned more about his own life than he did about the sport throughout that accident i was sitting there in shock about that whole thing because he was dead he died and he wanted to get back in a car
0: yeah i mean that's just the mentality of race car drivers i mean a lot of them have the same answer when you ask them about you know tragic events that happened in the sport we go back to justin wilson 2015 yeah. and Weldon, 2011. um just tough events
2: that happened did weldon die in 2011?
0: yeah he,
2: he won. he also won the 500 in did, 2011.
0: Right. he died in uh, october that year um in las vegas but you know, their mentality is they just get back in the car. I mean, they don't, they don't know anything else. They just get back in the car. And uh, that's definitely what Hinchquiff has done. Ended up winning the poll last year and has a lot. is a really good chance this year. Um, and, you know, he's, he is one of the more electrifying guys in the sport. I mean, <clears throat> he's, he's all over the place. He's great for marketing. I mean, he's a, he's a really lively guy, and especially when we talk to him. And, you know, he's one of the guys that IndyCar really needs.
2: So. He's on a hell of a good team, too.
0: He is. Schmidt-Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be exciting to watch him. Um, but uh, that's just that's just the mentality of race car drivers. I mean, that's all they think about is just getting back in the car. And they don't let anything face them like that. And it's really, really interesting to see him uh, kind of move through events like that and just keep moving forward. It's amazing.
2: It's the best story in all of IndyCar. I think it would have been... A 30 for 30 or full length movie worthy if he won last year because the year before he was dead and then he comes back and wins the poll, and then say he wins the race on the 100th running and there would no be there'd be no better story
0: i still want a movie about last year last year was so good
2: oh my god it was the California kid.
0: California kid, Alexander
2: Rossi with the just unbelievable strategy. I mean, good Lord. He, I mean, he's got a good shot again this year too. He does.
3: Okay. So yeah, you mentioned, you know, you, you want a movie about it, a, a documentary. Um, what I just thought there is there's going to be no documentary or, uh, 30, 30 for 30, whatever made about IndyCar, um, maybe NASCAR. If the storyline isn't just, you know, a total blockbuster. Practically, it has to be national news, practically international news, for it to be documentary-worthy. Um, in my opinion, that a uh, thirty-for-thirty-worthy. Someone can make a documentary about it. It just won't be that popular. Uh, but that's just the way it is with racing. We're biased, or at least you guys are, because you're big racing fans. We're here in Indianapolis, but as far as you know, national news and everything goes. Uh, for a documentary to be made about a storyline like that, it has to be one hell of a big storyline. Uh, yeah, yeah, that,
1: that's that's. Helpful. Yeah, it does. Well, I mean, that, that kind of
0: swings into the uh, the popularity of of the sport, and one thing I wanted to talk about. Um, But I mean, it's we saw IndyCar kind of struggle for attendance. We've seen them struggle to market themselves. The sport has kind of lost interest. And I think they're on the upswing now. I mean, we saw 350,000 people go to the race last year. It was the 100th running. But now this year is, uh, you know, the biggest crowd in 15 years, except for last year. So it's growing Mm -hmm. because the sport is becoming so interesting. And because the Indy 500 is becoming such an interesting, interesting race, I mean, Every year, in my opinion, since 2011 has been just unbelievable racing. I mean, it's been so.
2: That 2011 race was
0: crazy. 2011 was, I mean, with with uh, J R. Hildebrand hitting the wall and Walley coming in to win it. I mean, but but every year since then, we've seen you know lead changes, records get broken. Um, It's just been so close. And 2014 was the second closest finish ever. Uh, 2015 was close with with, uh, Juan Pablo and Will Power, and then Rossi playing the fuel strategy. Which he won by a lot, but it was still a very close race uh, throughout the whole thing. So, I mean, the sport is gaining popularity. It's on the upswing because IndyCar has found a way to market themselves um, and use their drivers to their advantage because they are the most diverse racing league, racing series of all of them. Um, And the racing at during the Indy 500 is just so entertaining, in my opinion. The the passing is just unbelievable.
2: The motto of the Speedway captures it perfectly. Epic race, epic place.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned it right there, Sam. Uh, I think the reason that it's bec- becoming more popular is how uh, you know IndyCar has has marketed themselves, and also Indianapolis has marketed the race. Um, you know, especially the one hundredth, it got three hundred fifty thousand people. Uh, everyone sort of got up for it. Real, and- real
2: quick, since we're talking about numbers and we're radio guys, the radio broadcast last year brought in 14 million listeners Gee. across the world.
3: That's incredible. A good portion of that is from Indiana because it's blacked out. Here.
2: They didn't black it out last black, year. Though. They didn't black it out last year. Will they black it out this year? Yes. Yes, they will.
3: 100th running, understandable why. Uh, they didn't black it out last year. They
2: said because of special circumstances, yes. they lifted the blackout. Exactly.
3: But people sort of got involved with the race. I can put myself in that category as I went to the Motor Speedway for the first time last year uh with the whole hundredth running uh coming last year um but people got exposed to that for the first time in their lives or maybe revamped it for the first time in a while and after experiencing that it's going to continue to grow because people saw saw how awesome it was they saw what a spectacle it was how fun it is all the different events that go along with it and they're gonna to continue to come back to the race year after year. Yes, it'll fade over time, that's what happens with everything, but for the foreseeable future, the Indianapolis 500 is going to be bigger and better than ever because of what the 100th running did, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and uh, one thing that Bobby Unser said, who was a, a legend three-time IndyCar, or three-time Indy 500 champion, uh, he said it last year, he was really excited about the, uh, the attendance for the 100th running but he said I'm worried about next year. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it, it was big for the 100th, but what's going to happen next year? And we all know that it's already looking to be a success. We don't know how the weather's going to be, but we already know that the ticket sales are already a success. They're bigger than they were in 2015. So they're on the upswing and it's it's really it's really working out for India right now.
2: And that's when you think Because the concerns from last year, obviously, you're going to shout out your record last year, biggest race, biggest number, biggest viewership, everything, every single number was up. And their concern for the 101st, the whole thing with Fernando Alonso said he wanted to take a break from F1 and come over. But do you think there was any push from IndyCar trying to bring him over? Because, hey, you're the top guy in F1. Probably besides Lewis Hamilton, you're the top guy in F1. Come over and try it. Come over and race in this spectacle in this race. Do you think IndyCar had anything to do with him coming over to boost that number? I don't know to secure it.
3: That's tough. I don't know if they pushed for it, but I think they're certainly okay with it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. if The media mean, might not
3: be, but yeah. IndyCar is.
0: I don't know if they, I mean that's that's something that I don't know if we'll, we'll ever know, but it's it's interesting to think about. Um, but I mean, yeah, he's, he's obviously boosting, he's gonna boost attendance, he's, yeah. he's gonna boost TV ratings. Uh, and it's, it's understandable why Indy wanted want him to come over, but I mean, like we talked about before, if he wins, it's gonna be tough to market him, and it's gonna be tough to push him out as the 500 champion.
3: Speaking of attendance and, and population, I pulled this up, uh, Indy Star had an article, listed off, uh, some things that last year's attendance had the same size as. So let me just list a few of these things off, just to put into perspective how big 350,000 people is and how big this track is. Uh, It is as big as the populations of South Bend and Fort Wayne combined. It's as big as 37% of the entire population of Marion County, which I would hope you know this, but listeners outside of Indiana, Marion County is the county with Indianapolis in it. it's 59% of the entire population of the state of Wyoming. More people, than, more people than the population that attended the last four Super Bowls combined. Nearly twice as many people that attended the record-breaking 2015 Kentucky Derby. Sam, you went to the Kentucky I Derby this, this year. I was this year, yeah. It's, uh, it's quite an event itself. Over 100,000 people more than the population that attended all the games. Of the 2015 World Series. Wow, more than double the attendance of the last reported Daytona 500 attendance in 2012. On Sunday, this upcoming sun, on the Sunday of last year's race, one out of one every 1,000 people in the United States attended the 100th running.
2: That's crazy. The
3: Indianapolis 500.
2: You think about this: the Motor Speedway itself on the Sunday of race day. This was last year for the 100th running. If it was taken into a city, the Speedway itself, the five, I think it's 548 acres, something along the lines of that, it would be the 45th largest city in all of the United States. That's crazy. I, really, I have to preface this real quick. Who's the mayor? Hinchtown. You, you think it's, so? It's, Not Doug Bowles? All right, it's, Doug Bowles is the president. The mayor is I Hinch. Like I like that. Because his nickname is the Mayor yeah, of Hinchtown. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna preface this now, by the way, uh, for the listeners out there. This isn't an IndyCar podcast. We, we should probably mention that this is not an IndyCar if podcast. If you're
3: not an IndyCar fan and you're listening right now, come back next week. Please come back next week. It will not be IndyCar. I understand that you can be frustrated with this. Uh, I'm not a huge racing fan myself, so. Sometimes this conversation, if you don't hear me butt in once in a while, yes, I don't have much to say. Yes, it can get a little bit boring. I do respect it, but I understand where you're coming from. We have all sports covered here. We'll, we'll, t- we'll touch three
2: podcasts. We'll touch some more today. We'll touch on some other stuff today.
3: We'll touch on some other stuff today. Right now, NBA is happening, you know, NFL. We're getting a few months away.
2: The, the NHL, stand the cup. Oh,
3: yes, NHL. We have everything, but because we're in Indianapolis. Because the Indy 500 is this Sunday, you can't not talk about it for a majority of the time. So True. don't worry. It's going to go away if you don't like IndyCar.
2: With that being said, we're going to ask some more IndyCar questions. <laughs> we, we just got a quick segment that I, I'm guessing Sam and I will do the most because I don't know if, Jack, you can we'll provide a lot of... We, we can yeah. figure this out. Yeah, we'll yeah. finish all the IndyCar talk with this. All right, Sam. Uh, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. We'll both give answers on this uh-huh. uh, about, not superlatives, but... I'm gonna give a title, and you're gonna give me the driver who would best suit that. So, the best rookie in this year's race.
0: Best rookie? I mean, it, Fernando Alonso, uh, technically a rookie. So, uh, I gotta put him in there. Just kind of going through the line. I mean, I don't, I don't see anybody, any other rookie that could possibly uh, come up with him. Jack Harvey, I believe he's a rookie, correct? Yes, Jack Harvey's a rookie, starting 27th. Um,
2: I'll, I'll tell you this. My, my rookie, because I'm gonna go different from you, because I don't want to pick Alonso. I like Ed Jones. Ed yeah, Jones, I was looking. At First those. driver, by the way, from the United Arab Emirates to race in IndyCar from I, Dubai.
0: And I do believe he won the uh, the Freedom 100 last year for Indy Lights. I believe so. So, so he's he's, I mean, he's starting 11, yeah. uh, number 19 car. You know he's going to be interesting to watch.
2: He'll be a good one to watch. I think it'll be fun. Uh, Jack, any rookie besides Alonso? Alonso's the main one here that everyone will go with.
3: I'm not really caught up on all the rookies <laughs> or anything, so. Let's go
2: with Alonzo. <laughs> it's, the, it's the best. It's the best like guess. That. It's the best guess. All right, Sam, the driver this year with the most to proof.
0: I like this question um, because I cannot find a better answer than Marco Andretti. I mean, 10 years ago, we were talking about this guy being the next big thing. And 10 years later, 2007, his first Indy was 2006, uh, got second to Sam Morris Jr. on a last lap pass and you know we were talking about this guy being the next big thing and come back 10 years later 2017 and he's won two indycar races and hasn't won since 2011 at iowa you know so he's he's struggled and he's he's i mean i've watched a few videos and interviews with him and he's very disappointed with his indycar career so far and he hasn't really gotten out of that Andretti shadow you know he's still overshadowed by mario and michael he hasn't made a name for himself yet and he's starting to get up there in age i mean this is i believe his 11th year in indycar um He's been consistent. He has a lot. He has that one second place finish. He has, I believe, three third place finishes. And this is a year he's starting eighth. You know, everyone thinks it's Marco's year. They've been saying that for a while. And they're gonna. I'm, I'm off the Marco train. You know, I, I was. You've
2: off been the, on the Marco train for a while.
0: I've been on the Marco train for a long time, and I'm off it this year because I just don't. I don't see what the else this guy has to offer. But you know, we'll, we'll see how he does. Um, it'll be interesting to watch him. Um, but. You know, he, he, I definitely see this is his year. He's got to, he's got to make something happen. And if I want to go, you know, with somebody besides Marco, I'm gonna go Ed Carpenter. Uh, Ed Carpenter qualified on the pole two years in a row, and it's just been, I mean, he he's had some success, success in the IndyCar series, but we really haven't seen him do, I believe, his peak performance. Um, and he's been he's been haunted by crashes in the in the in the, in the Indy 500 in years past. Um, so starting second this year, he doesn't have a whole bunch of pressure on it, but the hometown kid, he's got a lot of fans here, so I believe he's got a lot to prove. I right, go Ed Carpenter and Marco Andretti.
2: Those are two good good guys. I'm going to go with uh, Charlie Kimball. I think he's... Interesting. Yeah. He's one of those guys that's starting in the middle of the pack. Uh, where's he starting? He's starting... 16th. 16th. Yep. He's starting on the inside of row six. So. Another California kid for you, Sam. But Charlie Kimball, we talked to him the other day, and he said, starting in the middle of the pack, it's a weird but good place to start. You know, you're 16th, you're directly in the middle of all the drivers. So there's really no bad way of starting at 16th. You can only go up from there. We well, you can go down. But the upside of that, I think he has the most to prove because he's been one of those names that's been talked about for so long, but, 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 but hasn't backed up his... A hype, yeah, I would say. Kind of a dark horse, yeah.
0: I'd say, uh, in recent years. And I believe he's still a dark horse to pick. But I, I want to see him move from that dark horse spot to that favorite spot. You know, because he's been in the, he's been in the uh, IndyCar series for a while and he hasn't really made that jump yet. So he's been with Kanasi for uh, for about five or six years now. And I, I want to see him actually make that jump. And we, you're right, we did talk to him. And he's one of those guys that's a really aggressive racer as well. He races guys really close and we asked him about being patient and he says he's working on that and he's gonna make the right moves when he needs to because it's a really long race, 200 laps, 500 miles. And he has to focus on, you know, not making the big moves in the beginning of the race, but holding himself back so he has enough to go for the end.
2: Sounds good. Kai, has you got anyone? No? Sage Karam. Sage Karam. He does have a lot of that. And that's he, good hey, he does, he's he's got he does. Proof.
3: Hey man, you guys mentioned four years running now. Uh, he, 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 he's been a little bit aggressive in, in the way he's he's driven. He claims that he's learned to be more patient. Um, I'm going to go with Sage Karam as a guy who who's a, a decent amount to prove. I, I want to see him finish top 10 this year.
2: I want to say something as well, though. It, it sort of fits into this topic, and I'm not discrediting James Davison at all, but if, CBass, if Sebastian Bourdais was racing in this race, he would be my driver with the most approved because he had the fastest car before his wreck in qualifying. He had the fastest car throughout the whole month of May. And now he's unable to race. He crashed not even a week ago, and he's already rehabbing, starting today, out of the hospital, which is incredibly impressive. But if Sebastian Bourdais was in this race, he would be the guy I'd go with.
0: Well, he's got he's got a road course background. Um, he's he's, he's
2: aiming to come back for Sonoma, he says, which is yeah, the last race of the season. That's
0: that's that's a big jump, but uh, I mean. He's he's got a road course background. He's he's uh, shown a lot of success there. hasn't a lot of sh- hasn't shown a ton of success on the ovals. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I could agree with that as well.
2: All right, Sam, biggest underdog in this year's Indy 500.
0: Yeah, this one takes some thinking. Um, I mean, I want to say Sage because we have that connection. Sage definitely is an under- underdog, and I do want to um, see how he does. I, you know, just looking through the list, it's just. Let's say, would you count Takuma Sano as an underdog? I would. I mean, underdog from Andretti Autosport is kind of a kind of a stretch, but Just
2: on a new team for this year. Yeah, new team. He comes
0: over from uh, AJ Foyt. He's raced there in the past couple of years. And now comes to a race for Andretti in the twenty-six car, uh, qualified fourth, had a shot to win in two thousand twelve, and cl- crashed on the last lap going for the lead. And Takuma fighting
2: with Franky. Yeah, it was with Franky. And ever since
0: then, you know, he really hasn't been talked about a lot. So he's in a really good position here in fourth. And uh, I'd say he's an underdog, because um, he's not really talked about a lot as much as the other drivers. But he's a, one of those guys that brings in diversity to the series. He's had success, comes in with a new team. I like his chances this year coming from the fourth spot.
2: You know, I'm going to pick another driver coming from the front of the pack as well. Even though we're saying it's an underdog, he's coming from the fast nine in the front of the pack. J.R. Hildebrand. Oh. He's the guy who I think it was three weeks ago, four weeks ago had surgery on his hand, had screws put into his hand and his wrist, then went out and raced in Phoenix, finished third there, I believe. And now he's here. He's starting sixth in row two. I think J.R. Hildebrand with Ed Carpenter Racing is an underdog in this race. He hasn't been talked about a lot because his counterpart, Ed Carpenter, is starting second. So the whole team of Ed Carpenter Racing is starting in the top six.
0: Well, they definitely they definitely show well in qualifying. It's just it's just being in the race and being contention late is where Ed Carpenter Racing has to prove themselves. And they really haven't been. I mean, we saw uh, Joseph Newgarden, who was with them last year, finished third, and he was there uh, toward the end of the race. But um, it, it, we're really looking for a big win for Ed Carpenter Racing and see what they can do here with J.R. Hildebrand. Um, like we mentioned before, 2011 runner-up had the race won up until the final corner and crashed. So JR uh, is definitely somebody I'll be watching. Qualified sixth, um, so he'll be he'll be in contention toward toward the end of the race for sure. I can I can definitely see that.
3: You guys can figure
0: out my underdog
3: by this one phrase. No boy. Oh man. What?
0: Ric Flair Woo! Woo!
3: The word is in the phrase Pippa Man Pippa
0: Man Man
3: Pippa Man Underdog 28th starting position no I think I think she's average,
2: I think Pippa throughout her entire racing career her average finish is like twenty two.
3: Yeah, I mean I think I think you're right. Um, oh, she, she has, has no nine. chance. I'm just saying she's a huge underdog.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're right. She's <laughs> <an> underdog. <laughs> she is an underdog. Big underdog. I guess I have chance. That was, a chance. That was the question.
3: That was the question. It's not who's a potential dark horse. It's who's an <laughs> it's underdog. the underdog. <laughs> a <Pippa laughs> man. <laughs>
2: You got a point there, Jack. All right, Sam and Jack, I guess, because you're doing this. Uh, most overrated driver in this year's field?
0: Well, I mean, I want to I wanna say Marco as well, because he's always kind of overhyped and that doesn't really show out um, when it comes to race day. Um, I, you know, if I just want to say someone who's overrated, I'll go with the pole sitter, Scott Dixon. You know, because- Ballsy. He, he's got, it's, it's ballsy, but he's got one win in 2008. And ever since then, he's qualified really well and done really well throughout the race. But it's not, he, I believe he got second in 2012, but hasn't, I mean, he's either had late pit stop troubles or he's gotten in late crashes and hasn't been there at the end. So uh, i I'd say Scott Dixon is a little overhyped. Um, you know, I'd like, I'd like to see him have a good run. Um, in my opinion, he's one of the more boring drivers of the, of the IndyCar series. That's why I don't want to see him win. But, um, yeah, I'll go with I'll go with Scott Dixon
2: being a little overrated. I'm going to go with your underdog. I'm going to say Takuma Sato. He's starting... Overrated? Th- under. Overrated, yeah. Overrated. Overrated. Takuma Sato. He
0: hasn't even been talked about.
2: I know. So why is he overrated? But he's starting fourth.
0: I know, but that's not over... It's not overrating
2: something. I know, it's I know. human error. I know. He qualified fourth. He did. His car qualified fourth. He just, you know... Whatever. He's he's you think we talked about it enough. I don't think he's very consistent. So what Brady's essentially
3: saying is that not because of his popularity or anything he's overrated. He's just saying that he's overrated
2: in his, start- on his starting position. Yes.
3: Okay. And that he's most likely not going to finish I think
2: I think like he will be out of the top 10. I think he will be the lowest finisher out of the top 10.
0: Well, and he also has uh He's prone to getting a crash as well. Um, so exactly. I can see where you're coming from there.
2: But I, I say he's going to be the lowest finisher out of the top 10, definitely out of the fast nine. Okay. I, I can see that. Yeah. Are we going to pick the winners now, guys? We have one more question. Under- one more. Most consistent. Most consistent.
0: Um, well, Elio's always up there. Um, Elio's going for
2: How could fourth. you not?
0: Elio's going for, for, for his fourth this year. He's always in contention at the end um so he's somebody who's going to be consistent you know he's going to be fighting for the lead uh it doesn't matter where he's ending what doesn't matter where he's starting because team penske had a tough go at it during qualifications as willpower was the highest the only one to get in the fast nine he qualified ninth and elio starting in nineteenth. um it doesn't matter it doesn't matter where he's starting um you know i think i think he's going to be in contention at the end elio is definitely a consistent driver as he goes for his four <laughs>
2: my most consistent driver i'm going to go with Ryan Hunter-Ray his starts over the last oh, let's say 5 years he started 3rd 16th 19th 7th and 3rd he's been very good at the winner in 2014 but i think he's the most consistent because he always finds a way to just work his way through the field and work his way up and down the field. Another one of those guys who could throw Graham Rahal in that category as well, because he always finds a way to just finish in the middle of the pack and pull something out of his hat that just no one really thought about. So I'd say Ryan Hunter Ray is the most consistent driver uh, in this year's field, just because of what he's done and the reputation that he has in the sport.
0: Well, Ryan Hunter Ray, I mean, had a winning car last year. Yeah. He got taken out by his teammate, ta- teammate Townsend Bell in the pits. Um, so I definitely see what you're saying there. He's always really fast in Indianapolis, um, but I'm also going to go with Carlos Munoz, who comes in like with the new team, uh, AJ Foyt Racing. Um, let's see, he's raced here four times and he's got three top five finishes. I mean, that's impressive. Is he got three top fives and I believe he's been second twice.
2: I'm going I have one more guy to talk about. Juan Pablo Montoya. He's
0: another
2: one. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Juan Pablo Montoya, I'd say, uh, is another one of those guys up there who's one of the most consistent because he's. In the Indy 500 a couple times, he's racing it four times. One of them was his very first time driving in 2000. He finished first granted last year, he crashed very early and uh, finished 33rd. But other than that, his three finishes are first, fifth and first. You can't get a much better consistency rate than that. Kaiser, who's your, would you say most consistent driver?
3: Correct me if I'm wrong.
2: Probably are. Yeah,
3: probably. <laughs> but taking a shot in the dark here. Tony Kanon is generally finishes towards the top, right?
2: Yeah, he's one of those he's guys. A laughs. Laughs, and he's won the 2013 one. I th- I think he is the overwhelming fan favorite in I the think 500. he's A big fan
3: favorite, but from what I gather just from hearing outside noise and everything, he had finished towards the top a lot, but he didn't win one until finally he got the monkey off his back in 2013. But if you consistently, you know, finish near the top, you're a fairly consistent driver, right? Yep. So I'm just going to go with Tony Kanaan, um based on what
1: I've heard.
2: I like that. Let's try to pull it here. Tony Canons, uh finishes in the 8500. He's been very consistent. He has one pull start, but he has one win as well. He's finished 4th, 1st, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 2nd, 3rd, and then everything from 1st to That's 33rd. So cool. If you want If you want to count consistency, Pippa man.
0: man.
2: She's consistently She's 20s. Pippa
0: Man is consistently bad. That's fine too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're not wrong, Jack. You're really not. All right, now let's go for some winners. Who do we have winning this year? The 101st Indy 500, the 500 mile race at the historic Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Well,
0: I'll go with my perfect scenario. So this is who I want to win. I want Sage Karam to pass Marco Andretti on the last lap to win the race. Uh, <laughs> You'd be I'd, content with that? I'd, I'd be content with that. I'd be overly content with that. Um, yeah, I'd love to see any American win. It'd be good for the USA. Um, but the man who I really think is gonna win this race is kind of an oddball because his team hasn't done well, but Team Penske's Simon Pagino, uh is my pick for the 2017, first running of the Indy 500. Simon Pagano is the reigning IndyCar champion from last year. And actually he's been racing in the series for quite a while now, but got his first oval win this year at Phoenix, actually. I was there. Who was there, got his first oval win this year at Phoenix. Um, so he's on a hot streak. I mean, he's, you know, Team Penske's obviously struggled. Uh, during qualification Pagino starting 23rd, but we saw Juan Pablo Montoya win this from going back to 33rd back in 2015.
2: Alexander Rossi did it last year as and well. Rossi he was in 33rd. Rossi
0: was in the back of the pack as
2: well. What a so. funny story last year, by the way. Alexander Rossi on two of his pit stops had trouble connecting the fuel hose yeah, yeah. and was the one who was winning the race on the fuel battle.
0: Well, it almost helped him too because it ended up changing his strategy. Yeah. Um, so I believe Simon gets it gets it done here. Slow qualifying speed, but he gets over it. Team Penske. Returns to victory lane for the first time since 2015 with
2: Juan Pablo, Simon Pagino is my pick. Simon Pagino, I think, will be the largest jump in this race. I said about Takuma Sato earlier, will be one of the biggest fall-offs. I think Pagino will be the biggest jump starting in 23rd. I think he'll end up in the top 15 easily. Uh, a quick fact for you, by the way, Pippa Mann in her five Indy 500 finishes, her average finish is 22.8. So let's count it as 23rd. Oh, 23rd. Woo. Pippa Mann. Pippa man. What a racer man. What a racer We should try to get her on the show Let's, sure. let's get her on the show We can do it I don't it.
3: think she'd like me
2: after I don't think she would But let's not play that clip for her I'm How about just, that I'm
3: just stating the facts
2: hey, She finishes towards the bottom That's just the facts But she's racing for a good cause So you can't, that's you, can't true. you can't get her against nothing that Nothing against her personally No 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 Absolutely nothing My finisher and winner of this year's race Is starting in the front row And Sam you're going to be happy about this Because he's a bulldog And he's a Hoosier And that's Ed Carpenter. Ed Carpenter starting in second. I think he will finish first. It is about, as LeBron James once famously said, it's about damn time. (laughs) Ed Carpenter needs to win this race. Finish starting on the pole two years in a row. He's starting second this year. I think he needs to finish first this year. Ed Carpenter, it's about damn time. You win us an Indy 500. All right. So, are you gonna pick Juan Pablo again? This, By the way, oh, back, quick background: yeah. a couple years ago, we did, we had our show, and this was the year right before 2015, 500, correct? We
3: were on the actual
2: radio. On the actual radio, and we all made our predictions. I don't remember who Sam and I picked, but Jack said,
0: "I think I picked Marco."
2: You probably uh, did. I, I, th- I think I picked Sage. It was probably did. Yeah. Uh. And Jack goes, "I'm gonna take Juan Pablo Montoya because his name sounds cool." And, and that was it. And, and who I wins that year? Juan Pablo Montoya goes to victory lane. And Sam, Sam and I will rub it
3: in their face <laughs> to this day, and I will. Forever, because I am the only one of us who has predicted the correct, a correct IndyCar driver. You had a
2: one, so. one in thirty-three shot. Sam and I were at the race together. We looked at each other. We're like, "Did Jack just get it right?" <laughs>
3: yeah, that was and so I what? Unreal. Something very funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I let them know that I was right. But uh, I went last year with the same trend. I went with the name trend because I figured, who knows? It might work again. So I went with Ryan hunter Wright because you know three separate name <laughs> intervals right there um didn't work out uh, unfortunately so i'm gonna go with a new trend i think i looked at different names that might be interesting
2: this is like people who picked their march madness bracket based on the color of the jersey exactly
3: i don't have enough expertise and information about the actual sport to pick winners like i do based on basketball so that's i, I use that information to make picks during March Madness, but I have to go with a different tactic for the Indy 500, because I'm just not an expert in it, or I don't know enough about it, like you guys. So, I, I, I scanned uh, the starting grid, I scanned these names, uh, Sebastian, is it Savedra
2: Sav- Savedra? Starting 31st. 31st.
3: That I, I saw 31st and that sort of pushed me away from him a little bit. Um, Let's see here, what else do we got? Joseph Newgarden. I don't like this guy simply because he spells Joseph with an F. He's American!
2: From Nashville, Tennessee. We'll talk about Nashville in a minute, by the way.
3: I know he's from Nashville, but if you're from America, you put PH at the end of Joseph.
2: Um, <laughs> I think the most American guy in this race would be Connor Daly from Noblesville, Indiana.
3: Yes, Connor Daly. I like Connor Daly quite a bit. Pat McAfee sponsored his car last year, correct?
2: Yes. Yes. Um, Ori Oriol Servia. Oriol Servia. <laughs> Racing. <700. laughs> Racing with Ray Hall Letterman Racing with our friend Graham Ray Hall. Like that one quite a bit.
3: I. He's here, man. At the beginning here, I, I, I was thinking Marco. I was thinking Marco. Um, I, I was a big Marco fan, not like a big fan because I don't follow the sport that much, but um, when I listened to the race in 2006, I remember I was riding home in the car from South Bend listening to the race with my dad, and I heard the call of Hornets Jr. passing Andret- uh, Marco Andretti, and I felt so bad for Marco. So I was like I'm gonna root for this guy from now on hopefully he wins apparently <laughs> Sam uh, has been a big fan as well um, but then I continued to scan the list wasn't a fan of of Marco thought about Fernando Alonso too popular pick. Okay. so my pick for the 101st Indianapolis 500 100. It's Takuma Sada. Oh, 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 oh it. Wow. you guys mention him as most over.
2: We're talking about Jack. You're like, if you're American, you do this now. America, America, America. You pick a guy from Tokyo.
3: Man, I know. I'm not saying I have anything against <laughs> foreign people, but I'm saying if you're American. You, your, you should spell your name Joseph with a P H.
2: And if you're American, you spell your last name with an S, not a Z.
3: Oh, you no! Know, I think it's actually Ooh, the other way Jack. around because the original German spelling <laughs> but, is K A I S E R. So we've strayed as far away from the original German spelling.
2: Uh, Jack's last name is Kaiser, K I Z E R.
3: everyone assumes it's K A I S E R. So I think we're more American than any Kaisers out there. <laughs>
2: I'll just, yeah, I'll, I'll Okay, so I, I, I argue his pick. I like his pick.
3: Like I said, I like Sato before. You guys mentioned he was potentially overrated. Uh, Brady started, said that, not me. Brady said that he's potentially high. I like the <laughs> name. That was part of it. <laughs> Sato. It, it rolls right off the tongue. Um,
2: but... He was the one that wrecked our good, friends, our good friend Sage <laughs> Karam.
3: I know that. that I, I remember him wrecking <laughs> Sage the best. Karam. Um, but I like his position fourth. I like that number. I like his name. Um, So I'm going to go with Takuma Takuma Sato to win uh, the Indy 500.
2: At least you can say his name right. Takuma Sato. Takuma Sato. Easy. That's the 500 picks for us. We spent, oh, what, about an hour talking about the Indy 500? And rightfully so, because next week, we're not going to say a word about it. We'll say who won. And that's about it. We'll break down the raid. We'll break down the raid. <laughs> well, obviously. But again, we're not an IndyCar podcast. Um, switching topics. Now we're going to spend just a minute on this because we said it a second ago about Joseph with an F New Garden. It's from Nashville, Tennessee. Another big thing out of Nashville right now. The Nashville Predators in the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, who the hell would have thought that the hockey team from Nashville, whose best player is a black guy, would go to the stanley cup <laughs> pk Subin who would have thought that
0: i mean they beat my they beat my hometown anaheim ducks you know i was i was pretty disappointed i watched a few games of that series um but they're going to be playing the uh the penguins who beat the ottawa senators so uh, it's gonna be I believe it's the, the first time to do the, uh, to the uh, Stanley Cup finals for the National Predators. So it is uh, Yeah, it's gonna be an exciting series Sydney Crosby coming up for the pens uh, You know, it was a great game last night as they beat the Senators, but double
2: overtime That was double awesome overtime with a
0: goal at the end. I mean, man, and hockey is so entertaining. I'm excited I'm actually gonna watch the Stanley Cup.
2: Is there anything better than Game seven playoff hockey?
0: No, that's what I learned this weekend I, I, There's not
3: the intensity of the Stanley Cup playoffs is unparalleled. It, Easily. it really is. I mean, these guys put their heart, their soul, and definitely their body on the line every single night um, in the regular season. And that, that intensity is amplified in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm a big Blackhawks fan. No, I'm not a bandwagon. I liked them before they started winning Stanley Cups.
2: How about that sweep this year, Jack? Yeah, Nashville swept them. I was really
3: disappointed. Um, I actually called them getting swept. Really? After game one, after they lost game one, I called them getting swept. They were not playing well going in to the playoffs, despite the fact that they had the number one seed. By the way, I don't like hockey's format of-
2: Playoffs? of the playoffs no one does seed pairings
3: I think it's kind of BS that the the Chicago Blackhawks had to play Nashville in the first round anyways um, they weren't playing well going to the playoffs Um, they looked terrible in that first game they could not score Nashville's defense was absolutely fabulous and I thought Nashville had a good team and uh, uh, lo and behold here they are in the uh, the Stanley Cup final to face the uh, Pittsburgh
2: Penguins who would have thought all right quick who, who, who would have thunk it thunk it thunk it real good <laughs> <laughs> quick all right predictions for the stanley cup i don't know how much you guys know about hockey or anything like that but i think and we all know we all know an adequate amount not a lot but enough winners of this year's stanley cup who do you have winning it this year pens in five pens in five jack
3: Nashville's had a really good ride. Pittsburgh has been there before. I'm a big advocate for experience in championships and finals.
2: They won last year.
3: Yep. Uh, they won last year. They were there last year. They have Sidney Crosby, best player in hockey, arguably. Uh, so Debatable.
2: Debatable. Alex Alexander. Ov.
3: But um, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Penguins in six games over the Nashville Predators.
2: Are we all? I don't all want to pick Pittsburgh, but I think. Pick Pittsburgh, what you pick, man. It, it, I, I think it's, I, it's, you know I what play advocate I play I do, speech. but here's what I'll do: I'll say Pittsburgh in seven, just to spice it up a little bit. Because I'd love to see a game, Seth. that'd be awesome. But Sidney Crosby, arguably one of the best players in the NHL, top three, top two. The goalies for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, the fact that you have marc Andre Fleury, one of the best goalies in all of hockey as your backup and your starting goalie had 30 plus saves last night they got a good defensive side on that team for him so i'm gonna say pittsburgh in seven
3: all right so we got pittsburgh in five six and seven
2: no sweeps way to be creative guys uh, <laughs>
3: all
2: right what, what want to jump over to the about? nba
0: yeah. let jump
2: over to the nba oh geez i'll
0: take it back so sam's this, this gone is, this is sam's like we all we all have a sam's indy car for me
2: we all have a sport that we know very little about Jack's would be IndyCar and probably soccer yes Sam's is NBA and soccer. probably soccer <laughs> yeah. and mine's baseball I can't talk baseball I can talk a little I talk enough but switching over to the NBA now and I think Sam made a prediction when we had our show for the finals and was totally wrong I think. Last year? A couple. Uh, I think it was last year.
0: How was I wrong? You know who's going to play in the finals before the season even starts.
2: That's, yeah, truth. That? <laughs> That's truth. No way! Kaiser. I'd idiot if I didn't pick the Cassidy Warriors. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, the Spurs are always a good option if mm-hmm. they have Kawhi. Kaiser. This year, the trifecta, the three-peat, third times a charm, the rubber match, whatever the hell you want to call it, the trilogy. More names that I think about as we keep talking. It's part three of this. This has become one of the biggest rivalries in the NBA. This is getting up there. I
3: hate that BS that they say, oh, this isn't a rivalry. If you play three times in a row in the NBA Finals, you are rivals.
2: And if people think that this Cleveland Cavaliers team, who has the best player in the world, arguably the best player of all time, if you think that it was a disappointing playoffs because they lost one game, you're out of your mind. Yes, Golden State swept all the way to the playoffs once 12 straight, but the Cavaliers lost one game. And And it was, I believe it was in Boston, without, Isaiah Thomas got hurt, and so the whole team just backed up. Marcus Smart went seven for 10 from three. It was not in Boston, it was in Cleveland. Was it in Cleveland? It was game two. Game three. Boston a yes, Boston's the one seed.
3: Boston was the one seed, so it was in Cleveland. Uh, Marcus Smart was 7 for 10. Uh, Tim Legler on ESPN actually said that he thinks the Celtics have better chances or they had better chances to win games because without him. Isaiah Thomas was out because they their their offense and their entire game plan revolved too much around him, um, and this would incorporate the rest of the team better. Turned out to be right because they won a game. The fact that they won a game with without Isaiah Thomas and – just how outmatched they were in general, I think that's a huge testament to Brad Stevens on how, at how good of a, a coaching job that was, Easily. how good of a coach he is. But one thing I'll say about the Cavs' playoff journey is the second-best team in the East, based on the playoffs, was the Indiana Pacers.
2: Easily. The total margin of victory for the Cleveland Cavaliers in the four games that they swept the Pacers was 16 points. It was one Four, five, six, seven. somewhere in that range. But the total margin of victory, total, not average, total, was 16 points. Their average margin of victory, every every other game after that, for each game was 14 and a half. After the Pacers series, their average margin of victory was 14 and a half. Two points less than the total margin of victory against the Indiana Pacers.
3: They knew they had to get up and and play against the Indiana Pacers.
2: And I'll tell you this. They knew where their seating was going to be, and that's why they signed Lance Stevenson. Exactly.
3: Exactly. And JMV, Brady, you're at 1070, so Mm -hmm. you know this. He, He mentions all the time on his show that Lance Stevenson has a shelf life. He does. He absolutely does. Lance Stevenson has a sh- good short-term effect. Mm-hmm. Lance is crazy over the long-term. He's gonna do some stupid stuff. He's gonna say some stupid things. Um, That's for sure. Yeah, it, he's going to last and have a, an overall good effect, in my opinion, for the next two to three years for the Indiana Pacers, a, a somewhat positive effect. I don't know how how large that'll be. Mm-hmm. But Cleveland, uh, getting back to the topic, you know, they looked great moving throughout. Uh, the, the first round semifinals and, and conference finals. Now they're going up, up against the Warriors for the third time. And looking at this matchup, uh, actually based on you know power index and everything, it gives the Warriors a 93% chance <coughs> wow. to win this series. Um, Kevin Durant obviously a, a, a huge factor um, for this reason. Cleveland's a really solid defensive team. They like to slow it down. They like to play physical. LeBron James can guard anybody on the floor. Absolutely anybody. That's one of the things, in my opinion, that makes him one of the greatest players of all time. LeBron uh, could shut down Steph Curry. He could shut down Clay Thompson on a a given game in the finals. Who,
2: by the way, has been very, very cold. He's shooting, I think, 30% from three. yes. Uh, Clay Thompson.
3: Yes, Clay Thompson has, has been very quiet so far in the playoffs. But LeBron could shut one of those guys down, and the other guy would have to have a spectacular game for them to beat Cleveland. Now you add Kevin Durant. You have two guys that can carry the load if one of them is having an off night or a shutdown uh, by LeBron or anybody else guarding them. So uh, that extra aspect, that extra uh, prime time player, all-star, superstar, almost makes them unstoppable.
2: When I look at this matchup, you see the lineup with the Warriors, who their main four, obviously, we all know, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, their center position has been interchangeable this year with JaVale McGee and Zaza Pachulia. But the matchup for the Cavaliers, like you said, LeBron can guard anybody and everybody, anywhere on the court at any time. What he does... Who does does he guard? Does he guard Kevin Durant or does he guard Draymond Green?
3: That's a a really good question. I think Draymond can impact the game in so many ways. Um, I think they actually put LeBron on Kevin Durant because...
2: And Kevin Love on Draymond? Yes, because I think Draymond's
3: not as mobile. He can impact the game in a lot of ways, but he's not as mobile. Um, it is Kevin Durant. And I think LeBron's better at shutting down scores. Draymond, you know, he can pass it. He, he, he can impact the game defensively as well. Um, uh, and, and rebounding, all aspects of it. So I think LeBron is, is best when he's shutting down scores. Kevin Durant's a scorer. He's not going to play a ton of defense.
2: Um, Whereas Draymond's an energy guy.
3: Draymond does everything. So I think they're going to put LeBron on Kevin Durant. And let someone else like Kevin Love take care of Draymond Green. Sort of an even matchup. Kevin Love can score. Not as mobile. Draymond's uh, not as mobile. So I think that sort of evens itself out. But you put LeBron on Kevin Durant. Try and slow him down. And that, and then let your other defensive specialists like Iman Shepard uh, guard Klay
2: J.R. Smith.
3: J.R. Smith guard Klay Thompson. Or, uh, or Steph Curry.
2: I was talking about this earlier with uh, Tony Donahue, who's the producer of uh, JMV at 1070. And we were talking about the matchup and this is how I sort of thought about this. And I said, the the bench is what's going to win each series. So we saw when the Warriors won theirs, Andre Iguodala, who started his first playoff game for the Warriors in the finals, won the MVP of the finals because he was off the bench and was playing so well. Dele when was it... It was two years ago during that series as well. Then, but the Warriors won, but he Della Vidova. Exactly. And I was thinking about this year is the bench for the Cavaliers is way stronger than the bench of the Warriors. And the, be- the price of getting Kevin Durant. The bench of the Warriors, you have a guy depending on JaVale McGee or Zaza, whichever one you start. You have David West, who finally, after 14 years, is playing in an NBA Finals. You have a guy like Andre Iguodala. You have Sean Livingston. That's a good core. But when you switch over to the other side, you have, on the Cavaliers, multi-time all-star Kyle Korver who can shoot from anywhere and make any shot. You have a guy like a J.R. Smith. You have a guy like a Tristan Thompson. You have a guy, Tristan Thompson will start, Iman Shumpert. You have a guy like a Richard Jefferson. All these guys who, Channing Frye, the veterans on the Cavaliers are much better than Darren Williams. He's another guy too, 13 year player in the league the veterans on the bench of the Cavaliers match up better with the bench of the Warriors. And I think that's what we'll do, is the play of Kyle Korver, I think him personally, he'll be the key factor in this playoff series.
3: I agree that that the bench of the Cavaliers is stronger than the Warriors. I don't think it's that much stronger. Um, Kyle Corver's gonna play a huge part in this series because Cleveland, around LeBron James, can shoot the three. He's another three-point shooter. Don't get me wrong, the Golden State Warriors are excellent defensively. They get a bat, because they can score so effectively, people naturally assume that they aren't good on the defensive side of the ball. They play in the Western Conference, all that. They are a very good defensive team. Cleveland just seems like it because they play at a slower pace. Uh, They play a little bit more physical style of basketball, um,
2: but I'll tell you this real quick. You said the point that it's not much better. I just pulled up the stat here. Golden State has the better percent or more points on their bench this year. Their bench averages thirty-two and a half points a game, whereas Cleveland's average is twenty-eight point
3: eight. Yeah, you sort of throw stats out the window when you get to the final Truth, there's a lot of other factors that go into it. I would also put the Cavaliers' bench above uh, the Warriors, just slightly though, not not that much. So. I don't think that's gonna be a huge factor. Well, when it comes down to it, you know, whichever bench plays better could sway a game, but looking at it right now, I don't think it's a, a huge factor looking at it um, on paper. I think, the addition, I, I think the addition of Kevin Durant, even though giving up most of your bench in order to get him for the Warriors, I think, like I said, that's, that was worth it. That's gonna be the uh, extra push for the Warriors to, to beat the Cavs. Don't get me wrong. The Cavs are going to make this uh, a great series. It's going to be a really good series. I have the Warriors in six games. I know we haven't gotten to official predictions yet. We'll,
2: but we'll, we'll work into it now.
3: Warriors in six games. Um, because of that extra scoring pre- presence of, and superstar presence of Kevin Durant, he's going to win his first NBA title. Uh, people aren't going to like it, but he'll get it. Um, and in this tiebreaker, I think... He's the difference maker uh, between, between the two squads, but the alone, the, the LeBron James factor and the fact that Cleveland has been there before and they have gotten over the hump and won a championship will make this a really good series that, in my opinion, will definitely go six or seven games.
2: I agree with you that it'll go six games, but I think the Cavaliers and LeBron are too strong. I think the way that he is able to take over a game by himself and create the open space for other players around him, his passing's crazy. He finds everybody that's behind him, that's next to him, that's in front of him, that's everywhere. And then you throw in a guy like Kyrie Irving, who, in my opinion, is the best finisher in all of basketball right now because of the way he gets to the hoop, his elusiveness. He can bring the ball up with his right hand, scoop it underneath his body, go up with his left, he can do everything, and then you'll have all these role players around him. I'd say Kevin Love is a role player. I wouldn't classify him as he's a been, superstar, look up, but he's great. Look up his
3: stats for these playoffs. I can he's been phenomenal, these playoffs. Kevin Love has gotten a bad rep in Cleveland because his numbers have gone down. Of course they're going to go down. He's playing with two of the best basketball players in all of the NBA. I mean, he, yes, he's third wheeling, but he's still putting up really good numbers and he's contributing in different ways and he's still getting some of his. So
2: Kevin 17 Goddard. this for this playoff, 17.2 points per game. Uh, he's averaging right around two assists and ten rebounds.
3: 17 and ten in the playoffs. That's pretty darn good. Considering you're playing with Kyrie Irving and LeBron James, and he's had multiple games where he's been above 30 points, if I'm correct.
2: I believe you are.
3: Yes. So I agree. The Cavaliers are strong, Brady, but I think when you come off of losing in the way, in the style that the Warriors did, that motivates you. That gives you that.
2: Adding push, Kevin Durant.
3: That extra push alone to, to go get it the next time. And you add Kevin Durant. I think that's too much. The, the motivation of losing last year, giving up a 3 1 lead and you add another superstar. Cavaliers are strong, but that, what I just mentioned, makes the Warriors stronger. So it's going to be a great series. Uh, we'll have to see how it
2: turns out. When's game one? Monday night. Monday night? I believe it's Man, I can't- Monday night. Need- or, no, it's next Thursday. Next Thursday. Thursday night. Big break. It is a huge break. Yeah, starts June 1st.
3: That's the thing I hate about the NBA Finals, man. They drag all these games out. All of them. All of them have two to three day breaks.
2: Is is the final still 2-3-2? Two, two? Or is it 2 2 one one, one?
3: It was 2-3-2. Two, two. I think like a couple of years ago, they switched to 2 2 one one, one because everyone was complaining about it. I thought that was obvious.
2: Yeah, it's two two two. It's two two one one one. The
3: last two three two was when the Spurs won the championship, I believe. Yes. Over the Miami Heat. Yes, that is right. Because I remember them playing three games in a row um, in San Antonio. But uh, yes, they need they need to cut down the breaks. I know they're trying to drag it out, understanding for ratings and continuing to extend the season and everything. Give these players rest, but. The other thing I want to mention is the freaking start time. I know West Coast Warriors, you got people have to get home from work to watch the game, but it's killing us on the East Coast, man.
2: First game, game one starts at nine o'clock at nine, night. Nine?
3: Are you kidding Serious? me? Nine o'clock. Nine o'clock.
2: Nine Eastern.
3: I work in the morning, dude. I work in the morning. I can't get. I can't stay up that late. I'm an old man. I'm 19. <laughs>
2: Oh my god! <laughs> Real quick, going back to the Cavaliers, talk about riding the coattail. If the Cleveland Cavaliers could win this game, how awesome would it be for Andrew Bogut, who played one minute on this team this year, riding the coattails, and he gets his ring, he gets his bonus, like he gets the all that of stuff. The <laughs> <laughs> the Alex Moran. No, he, he was going to be a good signing because he was there to contend with the Warriors.
3: Last thing we'll talk about with the NBA Finals yeah. here before we move on to, to our last topic of the show, Paul George. Okay. Uh, unless you want to talk about something else. we we'll um, f-
2: play it by ear. Yeah, we'll play it by
3: ear. Who cares? Um... What was I going to say? Oh, Kaiser!
2: Talking about the Warriors.
3: Yeah, the last thing with the NBA
2: Finals. Um, I told you I'm an old man, dude. You are. You're you're forgetting stuff.
3: I I forget stuff all the time. I I remember these crazy sports stats and and these sports moments from years and years ago, but I can't remember what I had for breakfast. I think it's- I think it's something serious. My mind is slowly, slowly deteriorating. I still can't remember what it is. (laughs) Oh my gosh! It's a storyline with the NBA Finals that I really wanted to talk about.
2: Well, let's just move on and then see if you can come back and get it real quick. Yeah, we'll come back and get it. Your final prediction, you said Warriors and six? Warriors and six, yes. I say the Cleveland Cavaliers and six. Sam, chime in for one of the first times in this NBA segment. Welcome back, my friend. Your prediction for the 2017 NBA Finals.
0: Yeah, no, two great teams. Uh, <laughs> bing, 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 I remember.
2: Kaiser's got Cavaliers it, Sam, members? go ahead.
0: Okay, he's got it. So I'm just going to say it really quick. Uh, Cavs in five. Caps in five.
3: Don't know how I forgot this. Caps in five. Sure. Yeah. Oh, holy crap! That just sort of went by. I I was too busy thinking <laughs> to say. Cavaliers in five games over the Golden State Warriors.
2: I like where's, like where's mind's at. I'm bold. I'm just there's a difference between bold and stupid. and crazy. <laughs> okay, you
0: we say that now. You, let's remember this moment here, okay? And then okay, when they win this
2: is you, gonna need this is gonna be another Juan Pablo moment. Juan
3: Pablo this is not a
2: Juan Pablo moment. Juan Pablo
0: moment. Pablo that's, moment. moment. That's, just, that's just blind luck.
3: This is blatant stupidity what you're doing right here, Sam. I'm gonna make a bet with you.
2: Get your head out of your ass and make a logical pick, Sam. <laughs> I'm
0: gonna make a bet with you right
2: At now. least hey, at least he didn't say calves in three. <laughs>
0: I was thinking about
2: to say that. <laughs> I know, see, the funny thing is, I know you were. It's
0: still best two out of three, right? Right, right. <laughs> no, the
2: last time it was the best two out of three was when Reggie Miller was nine years old.
3: Well, oh, Damn. You're saying I'm going to make a bet with you on the air. If the Cavaliers win the NBA Finals in five games. Come hope no
2: money involved. Go on. No, I... You'll have to do the entire next show, and you'll have to do the whole show after that. And... I don't know. it's something. We have to do like a, a costume or naked or something. <laughs> I don't want to record naked with you, Jack. <laughs> hey,
3: that's true. Well, it wouldn't be me that's naked. It's gonna be Sam.
2: Oh, okay.
3: Because I mean, come on, Caps and five.
2: We'll post a video. We'll post a video of something. We'll okay, post a video right. of you guys doing we'll post
3: something. A video of
0: something. Okay. Well, we'll think about it.
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get it. We'll tell you the
3: link uh, to to a video of something, a funny video. But Cavs and five. That's. That's just that's not bold that's stupid.
2: So so the official bet real quick. If they win in 5 Sam if they win in 5 Sam wins, anything else you win.
3: I'll tell you what if if the Cavs win in 5 games or they sweep them, then Sam wins. Anything else I win. Okay. All right, fair enough. Okay. What I was going to talk about, uh, I can't believe I forgot this, but What does this do for LeBron's legacy if they win?
2: I was gonna ask a question along the lines of this as well. And that is, throughout the rest of LeBron's career, will he ever miss a finals? And I don't think he will. I think he has, what do you think, five more years left in him? Something along the lines of that? He's around, I think he's 32 right now. Yeah.
3: Um, He's got, I mean, he's gonna, I've never seen anybody in better physical shape. For also for the long term, than LeBron James. No. I, he's never had a serious injury, ever. That's remarkable. He takes amazing care of his body, and I think that's going to allow him to play at a similar rate and similar time length as Tom Brady. Yeah. The dude's 39, and he's still competing at the highest level in football, still winning Super Bowls. I think it's going to be similar to LeBron James. I think once he gets to 40, He'll probably retire 40-41, something like that. So give give LeBron eight to nine more years. Nine more years? Eight to nine more years, yes. That's, if,
0: that is awful. If about that nine right? more if, years, if, you have to do something
2: funny. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to this in a long time. We'll if, come back to five years. Yeah. If, if LeBron, if, if goes along with my questioning, if he makes it to every finals for the rest of his career and say he plays nine more years, he would have made 16 straight finals.
0: It's not
3: going to happen not,
2: because someone else will come along. Someone else will take over. Someone else will do know, something.
0: Lonzo like, Ball
3: Kyrie oh. could go somewhere else. They could lose Kevin Love. Another team rises
2: up. He could like, go back to Miami.
3: Two, <laughs> Celtics rise up. Something like that. I understand that he's probably going to make a lot of a lot more finals because of his personal effect on a team, but also because the Eastern Conference is extremely weak yep. right now. Um, Boston is going to in my opinion, rise in the next few years, they're going to find a way to get a superstar because that's all they need to get over the hump. They've done pretty much all they can with a team without a real superstar. Isaiah Thomas is on the brink.
2: Great player, but not a superstar. He's not a
3: superstar. Um, If LeBron James wins these NBA finals, he he will have won four championships, two with Miami, two with the Cavaliers. He would have beaten... Arguably one of the best teams on paper assembled the 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 superstar team. That is the Golden State Warriors Uh, He beat the greatest team in quotation marks here of all time as far as win total in the regular season 73 wins Um, Last year coming back from a 3-1 deficit Great performance in the finals and throughout the playoffs.
2: Wait, you're saying the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead?
0: No way (laughs) I've seen so many memes about that already. <laughs> I used to have a wristband earlier in the in the school year that I had a, that Warriors blew through three one
2: Go ahead, Jack.
3: But if if LeBron does this and he beats this team, and gets to four NBA championships, and however many finals appearances in a row and great regular seasons, in my opinion, LeBron James is it. it you know, everyone is, it's, just, it's so subjective because we never saw these, these old time players, Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, all that. We never saw all those guys play. If we saw Oscar Robertson play, we might have been thoroughly convinced that he was the greatest player to ever play basketball. But based on, you know, what we've heard and our own opinions in our time period, generally, Michael Jordan's number one, LeBron James is number two, in my opinion, if he wins the NBA championship this year. Kobe Bryant is so similar to Michael Jordan in everything that he did. He was just one championship shorter. I think LeBron, despite the fact that he's a championship less than Kobe, he he's impacted the game in so many ways, um, so many different ways than Kobe. Defensively, LeBron is great. Passing, LeBron is great. And you know, uh, at a cerebral level, LeBron is nothing like I've ever seen before. Um, Mark, Mark Boyle for the Pacers has openly said that LeBron James is the greatest basketball player he's ever seen. And he broadcasted Michael Jordan for years. Yeah. So uh, there's no doubt in my mind LeBron's number two on my list if he wins, uh, if he wins this year.
2: A well, fact about LeBron and this whole MJ thing, not bringing this up, like adding fuel to the fire. Oh, LeBron's the best. MJ's the best. I've never given an actual answer on who I think is the best because I think they're different types of players. They've played in different eras, and it's hard to com- er, compare.
1: It's to different. Hard. It's
2: very hard. But you throw this into comparison. Michael Jordan has lost four first-round playoffs series. LeBron has never lost a first-round playoff series. That's
3: the, that's the stat that a lot of people bring up, not the first round, but the finals losses. When Jordan got to the finals, he always won. But they forget that he did lose in the first round quite a bit. LeBron doesn't lose in the first round, but he's lost in the NBA finals. So there's so many different factors, different eras, different style of players. LeBron's, LeBron in my opinion, much more like Magic Johnson in the way he plays. Kobe Bryant is the closest thing to Michael Jordan we've seen. I know Charles Barkley openly stated that LeBron would be even with Kobe in his mind if if LeBron wins this year. But it's really difficult to compare. But like I said, overall, number two on my list if he wins this year. Maybe number two if he doesn't.
2: That's gonna wrap it up for this episode. Final closing thoughts. We're gonna not talk about Paul George this time because we're at, yeah, we'll we're, we're about an hour and a half right now, Jack. So we've rambled for a while.
3: It's very good. Time for podcasts. We had two, We had a two-hour show, live show. We took breaks and everything. We did. We had a two-hour live show um, at, at Carmel's radio station when we were in high school for a couple of years, but hour and a half no breaks pretty good time
2: for a podcast yeah we threw the interview in there with sage karam so that took a little bit of time there so uh final thoughts first episode guys i mean we had our predictions we had some stuff uh we'll talk to shitload about racing today so <laughs> that's enough to fill for the entire uh, summer and the entire series of these podcasts so that's why we got all out of the way today uh, final thoughts final stories final comments concerns questions
0: uh, can you, uh, Brady.
2: Uh, yes, Samuel.
0: <laughs> no. uh, I have to use the restroom. To, um. Yeah. <laughs> We've been here for two hours. I, no, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get this podcast going for the whole summer, guys. It's fun to get back together. Um, uh, month of May is always really special here in this, in this state, in this area. And I'm really excited for Sunday race day. Hopefully it doesn't get rained out. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, definitely, definitely excited for the racing on Sunday and it was a good, good first podcast. I'd say. Yeah, definitely a
3: great first podcast. Uh, We got off on tangents, but that's what we're supposed to do. I mean, we're we're having fun here. It's great to be back with you guys. Um, Brady, I haven't seen you in literally a year. Yeah, Um, seriously. Sam, I, I saw you a little bit over winter break and uh, really not much throughout the school year. That's that's just the way it is. That's how college works. But I'm uh cry, man. Oh, yeah, we're we're already getting <laughs> emotional on the first show. <laughs> you said, that's just the
2: way it is. That's gonna be the song and it's just use the for way it the outro. It's just that.
3: the way it is. Um, but yeah, it's definitely great to to have a little bit of a reun- reunion with you guys and, and getting back into this every single week. It keeps our voices in check uh, for when we when we use them for live events uh, throughout throughout the school year. But yes. good stuff. Uh, Indy five hundred, not my four. Forte, but still, still glad to talk about it. It's
2: not your forte, but hey, you're gonna be there anyways. I know. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't. Are you gonna remember your time at the snake, <laughs> or uh, go a little too hard with Brick Flair, mm. Marshmallow, and Zed. Brady,
3: I am underage. Oh, I do oh, not. So I do not consume alcohol in any way, shape, or form. I can't believe you would ever assume something like that of I myself. I
2: apologize.
3: Yes. College. Um. <laughs> <laughs> College, yeah, college. But uh, but yeah, great, great first show. Excited to to talk about, you know, the NBA, NFL later on, all the college football, the stuff going on, but good first show with with IndyCar and a little bit of uh, professional
0: basketball.
2: Sam, closing thoughts? Anything else?
0: Ah, I'm all all spoken out. I think you've heard my voice enough today.
2: Yeah, all right, so they can find us on Twitter, our own personal Twitters. Oh, yeah, let's promote our Twitters, I like that. At Clay. Simple enough. Sam's?
0: Uh, well, my name is sam to five, six on Twitter, but it's at SamWeederhalf33, so that's samweiderhaf 2 33
3: Mine is at Jack underscore Kaiser, K-I-Z-E-R, as we uh, <laughs> dissected that earlier in the show. K-I-Z-E-R is the most American version <laughs> of Kaiser. Whatever you want to say, buddy. Here, we
2: should get our good friend Dylan Warren on the podcast one time these next couple weeks, too. Why, <laughs> hey, why not? I like it. Should we? Should it. we disclose the backstory
3: of no. Dylan Warren? Or, not right now, not right now, not right now. Is If we
2: have him on, we can have him tell his side of the
3: story. Okay, we'll, we'll have him tell his side of the story. Um, obviously, podcasts, we're not under any jurisdiction here like student radio. So we can have Dylan tell his side of a, a certain story. Had some trouble with school administration when he was our hey, English hey. teacher. Hey. Not good. We're not going to get into too much of it, but uh, how old is he now? He's like 24 or something like that. 20-something. He's a young guy. He was only like four years older than us when he was yeah. teaching us in high school. So we had a we had a grand old time with uh that is with, true. with Dylan senior senior, machine. senior year of high school.
2: It was it was good stuff. If you enjoyed the show, let us know. If you hated the show, please, 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 please. Keep listening. <laughs> it's going to get better from here. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of good stories, a lot of good times, a lot of good laughs, that's for sure. And uh, I think that's all we got for today, guys. Anything else? Signing nope. off? Signing off. Signing off, Brady Klain, Sam, the 5'6", Sam Half Jack Kaiser, what was I say, Nematode? What was that from SpongeBob? Meep. 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 Signing off for today, Brady Klain, Jack Kaiser, Sam Half, the big three. Until next time, everybody. Thanks for listening.